Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. This is a big week for the Big 12 because of Kansas. What makes the Cleveland Guardians good isn't the blueprint for most teams, at least not in today's league. And the Braves turnaround started after a loss to the Diamondbacks on May 31st. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Toto, I think we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, we will be in Kansas on Saturday when the number 19 Jayhawks take on number 17 TCU. Two ranked teams playing in Kansas. Can you believe it? Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12 joins me now. And Josh, this is a terrific story of a program that has had hard times for well over a decade. Just for, for people who are not diehard Jayhawk football fans, because I'm not sure that's a big demographic, how did this team get to this position here at 5-0? and Well, this this is quite the turnaround because uh, I, I used to, you know, kind of, when I did the digging for the teams before, I uh, really started off the podcast back in 2020. You know, a lot of what we heard about the the Les Miles era was the disorganization, and especially the Lance Leipold era. Era, what you heard is simple stuff like nutritional plans specified for players weren't really things like, hey, we just had a workout. What what's your protein shake look like? What vitamins are we taking each morning? That's kind of stuff that we take for granted that programs like Georgia and Alabama, that stuff was not set in place. You and can't trust Leipold, college kids to eat well. Right. No, and, and yeah, no, exactly. It's and like <laughs> these kids, especially on a losing team, you know, the incentive isn't there. Lance Leipold like had to put that together last year. And, you know, you saw some of the results at the end of last year. Should they beat Texas? Everybody laughed. They played a couple of really close games against West Virginia and TC at the end of the year. And I was excited about this year's team. Five and oh was not here. I, I spoke with Jesse Newell. He now covers the Chiefs, the Kansas City Star. He, he covered uh, Kansas football. And he said, look, at five wins, they build the statue. At five and seven. They're at, they're at the statue territory. Now, obviously, he was kind of speaking and, you know, and, and, and making a joke about it. But it's really remarkable. Like, honestly, it's crazy because if they went five and seven now, people would be pretty disappointed in it. But the fact that they're here, with a lot of the personnel last year won two games. They barely beat South Dakota, and they had to win against Texas. This is a lot of the same personnel. Should have got a lot of transfers in to help out, but Jalen Daniels was quarterback for part of last year. Devin Neal was running back for part of last year. Kenny Logan, they're all, uh, they're all league safety, was there last year. And so a lot of these guys were there last year. It's really impressive that this group has bought in, but it's coaching, it's buy-in, it's scheme, it's all those kinds of things that people always talk about with culture. But Lance Leipold's not a guy who's out there speaking about culture in the way like a Brent Venables. Not saying it won't work for him, but you know he's not a Dabo Sweeney. He's not that type of guy. He's a bit more reserved than that. So it's just buy-in, and guys are executing. They're playing well, and that's what Lance Leipold does. He uses the personnel best way that the way to deploy them, and he's been great at it so far this year. Well, to the point that the University of Wisconsin, who just fired Paul Christ, there are rumors swirling that Lance Leipold is at the top of their wish list if Jim Leonard does not get that job in Wisconsin. And, you know, I don't want to upset Big 12 fans, but I think it, we, most college football fans would agree that would be a step up. It says something about this program and how quickly he has been able to make this turnaround happen. 
that a program like Wisconsin is saying, hey, maybe that's the guy for us? Not just them. I mean, Nebraska, right? Like, they're, yep, of course, it's only be kind of a, a fist fight over Lance Leipold, the Kansas head coach. Um, yeah, the, the one and people in the Big 12 don't like hearing this, but like, it's the reality of this. You saw the last television deal the Big Ten has. It's just natural. They're going to have more resources because they're going to have they're just going to have more money. It's the way this thing works. Like, I would love to sit here and tell you the Big 12 will get close. They won't. And so the thing is, like, those programs are in places in the Midwest. And also, one thing about Lance Leipold, he won a bunch of national titles. Where? Wisconsin Whitewater. Yep. So that's part of this, too, is like, you think about that. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of this. Um, the one thing we can guarantee, I don't know what's going to happen with Lance Leipold. He is going to get paid by somebody, by Kansas, by Nebraska, by Wisconsin, by, you know, hell, if Auburn, you know, we never know what Auburn might do. Somebody's going to pay him. And, Why not? Um, but he wins everywhere he goes. It's not, it's not like it's unwarranted. Like he won at Buffalo, won at Whitewater. He's winning now at Kansas in a short period of time. And it's all process driven. It's all process driven. So yeah, the future murky, but the, the one, the dollars, somebody's going to drop the bag for him. Stay up to date all year on the big 12 by subscribing to locked on sports today and the locked on big 12 podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today. With the NFL season now in full swing, Sleeper continues to climb the charts with millions of users and new features launched like their new over-under integrated right into the fantasy app. You go to check your waiver wire claims. You go to make a trade. You go see, oh, I need to make sure I don't have Jonathan Taylor in my lineup because he's hurt. He's not going to play on Thursday. Got to make sure he's not out there. And you can... Throw some money on an over-under. Pick a couple players that you like, and you pick their over or their under. So let's say running backs. Not Jonathan Taylor. He's hurt. Rushing yards. You can go over or under whatever sleeper picked. You can win up to two times over 20 times the money that you put in. Plus, it's already in an app you should already be using. I use sleeper for my fantasy games because it's user-friendly. It looks good. And it's fun to use, built-in group chat, all the stuff that I would want. So why not go check it out for yourself? And when you go to sleeper.com slash locked on today, Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash locked on today, and you'll get a $100 deposit match on that first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Five weeks after being shot in the leg, Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson returned to the practice field. Let that sink in for a minute. This wasn't just some injury. He was shot. And now, in the same season, he's back. Not just the same season, just weeks later. Now he performed the mundane tasks like, you know, running in and around dummy bags and taking handoffs and drills and... Ooh, even running some scout team. That is remarkable. Think about that. But even just the little things in tow, Robinson said, it was a beautiful day for me. Washington coach Ron Rivera has not ruled Robinson out for the Titans on Sunday. With another game just four days later, Rivera said he would be careful. It would be great to see him back on the field. What an incredible story. 
Golden State Warriors all-star Draymond Green reportedly threw a punch at teammate Jordan Poole at practice on Wednesday. The two players had been verbally sparring prior to some pushing, which escalated when Green took a swing and made contact with Poole, according to the report. Team officials are reviewing the episode. Poole wasn't hurt by the punch and completed his workout before leaving the practice floor. It's that Milwaukee toughness in him. Green has a history of challenging teammates, past and present, in practice and game settings. You may recall a run-in with Kevin Durant with words that I'm not going to repeat on this show. And according to the report, it is possible that there could be punishment for Green for escalating this fight. What would you do with a piece of history? The owner of a sports memorabilia auction house said he offered $2 million to the fan who caught New York Yankees star Aaron Judge's American League record 62nd home run. J.P. Cohen, president of Memory Lane in California, told the Associated Press on Wednesday that he has texted and emailed Corey Humans, the man who caught Judge's milestone shot Tuesday night at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Cohen said Humans has not replied. The odds of New York Mets outfielder Sterling Marte making the roster for the wildcard series are getting slimmer and slimmer. Mets manager Buck Showalter admitted the outfielder's availability seems like a long shot when the postseason kicks off on Friday. Marte suffered a partial non-displaced fracture in his right middle finger September 6th against the Pittsburgh Pirates and the bone is still healing. It does sound like an intense injury, leaving him unable to grip a baseball or a bat. Walter said, you can't swing a bat, you can't throw a ball, it's going to be hard. Yeah, that, those are like the core tenets of baseball. Swing, throw. You can't do those things. You can't play baseball. And the Arizona Diamondbacks end the season with the win over the Milwaukee Brewers, thanks to a stellar performance from their pitcher. And a blown save by Milwaukee. The D-backs end the 2022 campaign in style with a 4-2 comeback victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. Miller Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks here. Merrill Kelly had to give us one more great performance, Cy Young-worthy performance before he left the 2022 season, and he did just that against the Brewers. Six innings, one earned run, seven strikeouts. Merrill Kelly was able to lower his ERA and once again cement it was the breakout season in Merrill Kelly's career. And we also saw the offense have a nice little come-from-behind victory in this one because the D-backs entering the ninth inning were down 2-1, to one, nothing crazy. Christian Walker starts it off with a single after collecting an RBI earlier in the game for his 94th of the season. And then Josh Rojas crushes it 411 feet for a two-run shot to give the D-backs a 3-2 lead. Then their rookie phenom Corbin Carroll tacks on one run more with a solo shot of his own. D-backs offense comes through late. The bullpen was able to shut down. Kevin Gingle gets a save and we got to see a great Merrill Kelly performance as well. It was a nice recipe for success for the D-backs in the final game of the year. So hopefully everything that we saw today will just be a microcosm of what we're going to see in 2023. For more, check out the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Here is another story you need to know. The Cleveland Guardians will open up postseason play on Friday against the Tampa Bay Rays in a game in which, by the way, they are favored in a season in which they were not necessarily projected to be this kind of team with plenty of young players and young talent. But there is a hierarchy in baseball oftentimes, and it takes some time for this stuff to coalesce. Not the case in Cleveland. Joining me now, 
from Locked On Guardians, Justin Lada. And Justin, how was this team able to coalesce so quickly and become a playoff team that now looks like they have a chance to advance in the postseason? Yeah, it really started day one when they were able to get Jose Ramirez to sign an extension. He took, obviously, an undermarket deal to stay with Cleveland. He really wanted to be there. That really set the tone for the season. And his skill set, along with guys like Stephen Kwan, really kind of set the template for how they want to play this year. You know, they're last, they're second to last in home runs. They have a lot of guys who run the base as well. They make a lot of contact. They don't strike out. Um, they've run out every ground ball. They turn singles into doubles. They go first to third. And all that starts with Jose Ramirez. And then it started with Stephen Kwan when he really emerged and, and the team just kind of gravitated towards that style all season long. And it made up for a lot of their deficiencies. The Guardians are trying to win their first World Series since 1948. That is a hell of a drought. It's longer than the 1986 Red Sox had gone. By the way, 68 years so for this team to actually be in the mix in the American League. What did they have to do to challenge the teams that we tend to think of as maybe uh, that next tier of AL playoff team? Well, they've got the Rays in the first round. The Rays is a good ma- are a good matchup for them because they don't hit a lot of home runs either. Their scoring hasn't been as great this season. They ended the season on a sour note. Um, they'll be able to keep games close. So when they move on from the Rays to face, if they move on from the Rays, I shouldn't get ahead of myself. Um, they got to face the Yankees, and the Yankees obviously hit a ton of home runs. So it's going to be up to the Cleveland's pitching to – keep all the other offenses in check and to keep it close enough because Cleveland's not going to win by hitting a through on Homer. Uh, so they have to keep other offenses in check and keep it close just enough for them to scrape together a few runs and, and stay ahead after the seventh inning. And they're ahead after the seventh inning. They are pretty golden this year. What, what could be the reason if we're sitting here in a week or so going, man, what happened to this wonderful season? What would be the reason that that happened? inexperience and some bad luck. You know, when you don't hit the home run ball, you put the ball in play. Sometimes bad things happen. Uh, Hitters tend to create their own luck with balls in play, but sometimes that doesn't go your way, especially in a a three-game set. Uh, Random variance can rear its head. And like I said, inexperience is the other thing, too. If they don't string together hits and, you know, a couple don't fall their way, they're probably not going to score enough runs to win. Stay up to date all postseason on the Cleveland Guardians by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Guardians podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up May 31st was the day the Atlanta Braves season turned around. The Atlanta Braves won the NL East for the fifth straight season, but it didn't look like that was going to happen for most of the year. As Jake Mastriani points out on Locked On Braves, the turning point can be traced back all the way to May 31st. Because the Braves were not the Braves in April and May. They were very sluggish out of the gate. Again, it almost felt like they were trying to find their identity. And you heard Peter Moreland talk about this post-game last night. He mentioned the same thing. It's like they were trying to find that identity of who they were early on without Freddie Freeman. And it took a while for that to happen. I think what ultimately happened is you just got a team of leaders. You got, you know, Ozzy Albies, who, you know, ultimately got injured, so it made it hard for him to be a leader. Dansby Swanson, who stepped up. Austin Riley, who, you know, not vocal leader, but on the field really stepped up and got it done. And then you had the young guys come up that were really impactful as well. 
But you go back to that series and everybody's talking about it against Arizona. And after that tough loss to the Diamondbacks on May 31st, you blew a 6-2 lead. You lose an extra innings. Uh, you know, the Braves are, are 23 and 27. They're 10 and a half games back in the division. Brian Snicker had to talk with the team and basically says, you're better than this. You're not playing like you're capable of. It's time to turn it around. And that's exactly what they did. They went on to win 14 straight games and they have the best record in baseball since June the 1st. We rarely see it in the moment. And sometimes it's impossible to notice it. For example, back on Memorial Day, the Braves were not thinking about the Mets. They were trying to figure out their season. And we often see this happen as fans or as observers in sports. The momentous moments often elude us. And moments we think are going to be momentous, moments we hope are momentous, are often not. This is the win that'll turn things around. This is the gut-wrenching loss that will shock this team into focus. No, it's not. And of course, we conveniently forget when we're wrong. And we look back and we go, oh, that was it. Well, in the moment, we didn't notice it. And that's okay. That's what's great about being a fan. It's what's great about following sports. We can't always recognize the tide turning as it's happening. But we can look back weeks, even months later and say, oh, that was the turning point. That was the tipping point for this team. The opportunity that they seized that ultimately set them on a path. Because we can't see the path often when we first set out on it. Sometimes we can't see the path until we've walked it. And that's what the Atlanta Braves are doing right now. And in a lot of ways, it's a familiar path to one that they walked last year. It's a path that worked out pretty well for them last year. Let's see if it can do the same this season. And finally, the fan who ran onto the field during the Los Angeles Rams loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night filed a police report against Rams linebacker Bobby Wagner. Let me just repeat that part of it. The, the fan who ran onto the field illegally filed a police report against Bobby Wagner. When asked if, what he thought of the police report, Rams coach Sean McVay said, I think we all know where Bobby's intentions were. Yeah, his intentions were to deck this guy who was interrupting the game with pink smoke, who should not have been on the field. That, that was his intention. And that was the right intention. The, the judge should thank Bobby Wagner and we should all move on. And this guy should have to pay a fine for wasting everyone's time. In addition to the fine, he should already have to pay for trespassing and all the things for running onto the field. Idiot. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, who has the biggest hill to climb in week five of the NFL season? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.